on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we've run out of shows, as will swiftly be apparent from this week's titles. But, but, the temporary suspension of decent telly because of the football notwithstanding, we are off to Monsters Incorporated for Disney Plus's animated spin-off show, Monsters at Work, taking great delight in making Terry watch an anime series based on a video game in Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, and, largely thanks to Boyd, are also reviewing a show called, and this is entirely true, Confessions of an Ibiza Drug Mule. Yes, strap in, because it's going to be one of those shows. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that has been scraping the bottom of the entertainment barrel this week in a desperate bid to find something other than sport to review. <laughs> Honestly, when Netflix emailed to say they'd put the first series of Sexy Beasts into my previous list, there was a very small part of me that nearly caved at that point. Almost, almost, but not quite. Uh, we're not, we're not, don't worry, we're not going to be reviewing a fantasy-themed dating show this week, because instead of that, we're doing not one, but two animated shows and a documentary that sounds suspiciously like a porn film, although I'm assured by Boyd that is not, in fact, the case. Uh, but before we get on to that, I should introduce my two co-hosts. First up, someone whose steadfast loyalty is beyond reproach, a man who would never abandon this podcast, no matter how many times I forced him to review no-context episodes of The Expanse. It's Boyd Hilton. Hello, Boyd. Hello. We've reached the perfect storm this week of um, TV because on sport on TV, not only have you got the European Championship, the Euros 2020 as they're weirdly called, but you've also got Wimbledon. And Wimbledon is on the BBC pretty much, BBC One and Two, for like eight to ten hours a day. So BBC just kind of doesn't have anything really. ITV, and because they have to kind of sort out which channel's showing which football match, they, they don't really bother showing much new stuff because there aren't any slots they can guarantee they'll have because they decide which football matches to cover at the last minute. So it's a weird week. This is a unique week where there's almost no new TV, although we have found, by hook or by crook, new TV. But, we kind of, but next week it will be back to normal. There's loads of stuff next yes. week. Yes, we will recover next week, but we will, we will get on to the abomination that is the current sport in a second. <laughs> but before that, we should also introduce our other co-host, a woman for whom none of the stuff I said about Boyd is true, who even now has her microphone propped up next to a sack containing what I can only assume is 30 pieces of silver. It is Terry Judas White. How are you, Terry? Is, is this going to be it for the next two months? <laughs> I can't Literally. promise you it won't be. <laughs> Oh, hi, James. Hi. Hi, Terry. Um, you're okay? You're okay to record this podcast? You don't need to go anywhere, like, to leave or anything, you know, while we're doing this? You- you're fine? No, no, no. You have my loyalty for the next one hour and 58 minutes. Okay, good. Thank you. I, pr- I appreciate that uh, that sacrifice. How have you been finding the tsunami of sport, which I only vaguely understand? So, I have to say that I've been enjoying the uh, football. So, I am entirely a, a fair weather a football fan who is only interested a when it's the national team and b when they're actually winning um and i i don't know there's something about this team i was reading about all this stuff they've been doing last week all this outreach work with underprivileged kids and with lgbtq teens and obviously they're taking the knee and they are a really kind of they just have this integrity and there's an amazing contrast in this country at the moment between uh, some people who maybe are, are elected to leaders may, having questionable integrity and these lads on the football pitch who are there as an example of the best of our country, I really think it is. And I'm finding it incredibly moving 
and heartwarming. Obviously, when they lose and everybody turns on them and it goes evil again, then <laughs> all this good feeling will stop. But at the moment, I'm, I am finding it incredibly moving. I am tuning in and watching it. You weren't expecting that answer, were you? No, I wasn't, Six. actually. I wasn't expecting no. Terry to suddenly intellectualise the football as some kind of <laughs> yeah. you know, progressive yeah. agenda. But sure, yeah. go for it. Um, why is it called Euros 2020, Boyd? I'm very confused. Um, because it was meant to happen last year. Mm. They're aware that it didn't happen last year, though, right? They are aware. But think of all of the marketing um, and... Um, they don't want to reprint the T-shirts, is what you're saying? Uh, kind of. Yeah, kind of. It's <laughs> that, really. But um, it's the same with the Olympics. They're calling the Olympics, I believe, um, uh, 2020 as well. Tokyo Are we just 2020, pretending whatever. last year didn't yeah, happen? It's is weird. that what we're doing? We're doing. We're having a do-over. <laughs> it is a bit weird. But isn't it because the rest of them, the rest of them, have to stay at the? So if it's every four years, yeah, it'll still be right. four years. That's true as well. Yeah. So otherwise, it'd yeah. fuck everything up. That's exactly. Yeah. Thanks. Um, but I want to confirm what Terry says about the players. This is a, a James. First of all, James, are you? So are you so siloed in your world of not? Of refusing to take any interest in sport generally, that you are avoid you even you are avoiding the footballs. Are, are you telling me that that you are not watching any of this stuff? You are not couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I only know that England got through to the semi-finals because I heard my neighbours screaming <laughs> when when I was watching Peaky Blinders. That is amazing because because there are a lot of refusenik like people are, I'm seeing on on Twitter like watching their like Mark Kermode who is a very much a not a sport football person said mm. he watched his first ever live football match which was the quarterfinal and and said you know are they always this exciting blah 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 people like him um, you. Know, there are loads of people I'm seeing on Twitter saying I don't know anything about it, but now I'm take I'm, I'm interested. But you are holding out. Mm. You are staunchly holding yeah. out against the rise of popular culture. You underestimate I mean, me, Boyd. <laughs> I can't believe you actually had to ask him. Are you really that oh, no. siloed? I mean. I exist in my own little Witcher-shaped bubble. Yeah, it's kind of admirable in a way. It's kind of admirable. But the thing, the point about this team is so true. It's that this is a moment where, this, and it's not usually like this. They've definitely got this bunch of very young, a lot often um, kind of working class, but just nice, good, decent people. And that, a lot of that comes from the manager from Gareth Southgate, who's incredibly decent. Um, he, he wrote them this kind of poetic letter to the nation and to the team at, before, at the beginning of the Euros, laying out, you know, what kind of moment it was, which was incredible. And um, I'm using that word already. And there are players like Bukayo Saka, who's 19 years old. He's an Arsenal player. So uh, I, I consider him to be my son. And he is this 19-year-old kid who is the all everyone in the squad is like he's the nicest person we've ever met. There were pictures of him on a unicorn yesterday on on, on an inflatable unicorn. Has in the, the pool. way football is played changed dramatically while I was away? It has. Yeah, they play on unicorns now. If playing, unicorns. Frankly, if they're riding unicorns, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, like, you I'm 100 going to watch the yeah. next round. Uh, and then they turned that into uh, memes involving Avengers. Like so, yeah, Avengers. James, you, you have a look. You'll see very brilliant stuff. And in fact, Ian Wright, who's a huge Marvel and Avengers fan, is quoting Loki about um, you know. A burned with glorious purpose about about um, this, this player this. sucker. I am. See, this has become a huge. It's it's a huge thing. Ian Wright, who's the glorious, wonderful ex Arsenal pundit, talking about his love for this guy sucker, using the Avengers, using the Loki quote. It's all it's all just adding up to a beautiful thing that isn't like normal sport that you could that you could justifiably hate it's a really positive energy about it without wanting to sound like a, a, a bellend and um I'm, it's so good well, yeah if someone had told me there would be avengers references and people riding unicorns i would have yeah. reconsidered my position yeah prime time itv avengers references 
Wow. I mean, interesting. So, no, I've not watched that. I've not watched any of the tennis either. I mean, I, I'm vaguely interested in the tennis, but there's also a brilliant British, young British um, female tennis player as well. Yes, I've heard there's a teenager doing very well. She's yeah. playing again today, yeah. yeah. No unicorns or offenses references there? There probably will be some somewhere, yeah. But T- Toss a ball to, to my player. Toss a ball something. to your witcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. face. That's I mean, I'd be there for that. If uh, if Yaskia <laughs> bounced out of the crowd with his mandolin and started you know, jamming, <laughs> busting out tunes from that, I'd, I'd watch. Can we, I'd be you convinced. know how you insist in how uh, Terry watches, you know, various ludicrous shows. Can we insist that you watch the England semi-final on Wednesday at oh, fuck no. on TV? And, oh, <laughs> yes! Not? Yes. yes, come on, James. Because, come on. because it is not relevant to this podcast, and therefore I get out it's, on a technicality. No, 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 no. It is on the television, is it not? Yeah, yeah but it's not like yeah. proper television. That said, we are reviewing Confessions of an Ibiza Drug Mule. So I guess what is and isn't proper television, the goalposts have <laughs> right. quite literally moved. Come on, James. Well, when's it on? Come on. I might have something else to do. Wednesday, Wednesday. Kick off eight o'clock, but there's 90 minutes of build-up starting at six thirty, oh, which is in itself brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So tune in at six thirty for 90 first, minutes of build-up. First semi-quarter, whatever this is, in 25 years. I mean, if they get to the final, I consider watching that. Oh, that's big of you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, let's move on from the sports. I'm sure we've just lost most of our listeners. Um, no, because they're more open-minded no, than you are. Most no. of them are us. How do yeah. you have this thing in your head where our yeah. entire listenership yeah, like you. is you, repeated yeah. over and over again, and me and Boyd are yeah. the weirdos on the ends. Yeah. 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 In fact, that's, I've had loads it. of people on Twitter literally saying to me, you can use this, that, and the other to justify talking about it on the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, people are literally like... Giving me tactical who, who advice. Who are England playing in the semi-final? Go on then, tell me that. Um, you don't know, do you? Oh my God. Denmark. Denmark. I momentarily forgot there. Yeah, How Denmark. do you not know this? Isn't that kind of uh, important information? Denmark, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, who's likely to win? It's very even. Um, I think probably England are slightly favourites, but Denmark have this incredible narrative as well because one of their players in their first match had a cardiac event and had to go to hospital and they saved his life on the pitch um, with CPR. And he and so they've got this incredible story themselves that, that you know the team is playing for this guy. Who um, who who nearly died basically in that you in that first match? So the James. Whole, absolutely, yeah, not. you must have been aware. James, of, oh my it god, it's incredible! Headline news: How, He had he literally died <laughs> yeah, on the pitch. His news. heart stopped. He had, he had a cardiac arrest. Yeah. He had to. The team remember the team formed that amazing protective ring around him so that they couldn't get pictures of him being worked not on. Not a clue. Sorry, incredible. I missed all of that. I, I probably you know I'm, I avoid anything that looks like sport news. I just I I, and I can't see it. It's like invisible to me. Like John Cena, I just can't see it. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Okay, fine. So, oh, yeah, normal this stuff, is... non-sport stuff that we're watching. Well, no, I was going to say, because like, I have been watching football oh, this yeah. week, so I may or may not have been watching early preview episodes of a TV show that may or may not feature football. So there you go. I feel I've fulfilled uh, my, yes. my football quota. So uh, that, that's, been, that's been fun. Um, but yes, what else have you been watching that hasn't involved kicking or hitting balls? <laughs> well, I've been watching... Um, so let's start with uh, something you will definitely not approve of, James, uh, which is Extraordinary Twins on ITV1. So this is <laughs> stories of conjoined twins told by, well, narrated by Sheridan Smith. Boydie, I don't know if you caught this, but we had it on last night because I got my mother-in-law to stay at the moment. Um, really her kind of cup of tea. 
not mine normally, I do have to say, but oh, fuck me, it got me. Like these, it's these stories of these conjoined twins, some of whom have been separated. There are two sets of twins who are, one, they're attempting to separate them, they're documenting that, and there's another family who they're trying to decide whether to separate their conjoined twins or not. It, it properly got me. It's like, every, you know, as a parent, as a relative parent, I find stuff like that really hard to watch now. But um, yeah, that's very much, uh, if you enjoy your tear-jerking documentaries, that is going to be right up your street. But the thing, the big news this week is that I've got back into The Handmaid's Tale. Um, so if you remember, I jumped out saying... I can't do this anymore. It's too unrelentingly miserable and horrific and traumatizing. All those things are still true, but I've decided because I saw a uh, episode from season four, which is where we're up to in the UK, was dissected on Gogglebox. Basically, you would you have no idea oh the number of shows God. I get turned onto because of Gogglebox, which I, I'm sure <sighs> That's is kind nothing of to be proud of. <laughs> honestly, and it showed some scenes, and I was like, oh my God, this. And I was like, but by the end of it, I was like, I have to immediately go and watch it properly. So I watched... From the beginning? Did you start from the beginning? No, because I watched season one and I watched uh, half of season two. So you picked up where you left off on season two? I jumped right in (laughs) at the last episode of season four. And now I'm going back... And watching them in reverse. Right. So when you said watch it properly, what you meant is some in some weird chronology twisted Christopher Nolan-esque way that you're now watching the series in reverse. But it's amazing. Like, I have to say, it is, I watched, so last night, what I started with is the latest episode that's just aired in the UK, which is uh, episode four, season four. Oh, my giddy aunt. Let me just say (laughs) it is absolutely as horrific and traumatizing as I remembered but it's I mean so beautifully directed I mean the DOP needs all of the prizes and all of the awards it's so beautiful and so horrific that there was some torture last night for a change of course there um, was. Just, and Elizabeth Moss, I should say, directed this episode. Um, it is just phenomenal. And then I stayed up for about another uh, four hours after everybody else in my house had gone to bed, watching them in reverse order, as I just outlined. And then what I'm going to do when I get to the point at which I left off is I'm then I'm going to jump forward. Right. You look horrified by my watching, James, by my watching. I mean... The thing is, like, like Hammer's Tale was never a bad show. It's always been a good show. It's just an exercise in like self abuse. Like, it's just it's so miserable. But and I know you thrive in that zone. And it, well, okay, that's a poor choice of words. Are you it's sure? not self abuse in the in the traditional sense. It is more yeah. in the literal sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's slightly masochistic. Masochistic. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's definitely that. But but. I just, I, I know that you're kind of inured against against these horrors, but I mean, I mean it's just. I'm so not difficult. really, but there is, there is something still so powerful about it. There's a bit with this isn't a spoiler to say there's a bit in an episode I watched the season four episode where they're reading names of women who've been lost, and it really reminds me of you know Jess Phillips every year stands up in the House of Commons and reads mm. the name of every woman who's been murdered in this country, and it really reminded me of that and those. Whether, you know, you think it's kind of completely far-fetched and, and we've talked about this before, how actually we're only a hop, skip and a jump from some of the stuff that happens in Handmaid's Tale and how believable the kind of descent into Gilead is. And those echoes back to what we see in society today 
for me, keep it rooted enough in, in reality and that realism and that those kind of conversations that happen around it, I think are really important. And so that for me kind of balances out just the sheer grimness of it because it, it is still, I mean, this episode in particular um, is particularly difficult to watch for various reasons. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward <sighs> to continuing on with this. And then I just kind of jumped around a bit last night and watched a couple of episodes that I, I um, really liked from like season one. You're honestly, the slightly sort of compulsive part of me really, really finds it upsetting the way <laughs> you jump around. I'm very much a start episode one, watch all the way through kind of person. Sorry. I I, I'm, I will do the same as Terry. In fact, I, I am going to, I need to start watching the series again. Um, and I'll be happy to jump in in the middle of this <sighs> you series. You crazy kids. It's fine. You catch up. We can catch up. Don't you know? See this. Perhaps I this think. is why that you guys don't end up doing these marathon. Like I'm like, oh, I fancy watching well, yeah. an episode of Game of Thrones. Seventy two hours later, as I've watched every single episode of it. Yeah, you can. We are allowed to watch these single episodes. And by the way, though, but the point about Celebrity Gogglebox is so true, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. That show. There are loads of things they look at on that show that I think, oh, I must watch that. They had their own twins thing, didn't they? There was those um, extreme twins who adult female twins who have this, a relationship with the same man, and that. I had no idea this what? was going on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, but it was on the Gogglebox the other week. And I was like, oh my God, we have to see this, this stuff Just on to be it. Clear, they do very cleverly pick out fascinating stuff. The people on Gogglebox were watching that. Those weren't yes. the people yeah. on Gogglebox. Yeah. No, right, okay. people were watching okay. that on yeah. Gogglebox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they have okay, a brilliant lineup of people on mm. um, This is going to really annoy you. But like Jonathan Ross arrived, didn't he, this week on, on this massive sofa, which was incredible. Yeah. And his, and his family and just the people they get on it are fantastically likeable and engaging as well as the fact they're watching Derry Girls, Girls are on exactly. mm-hmm. yes see now he's see? <laughs> okay now, now he's like, interested they, they're like all watching it together are they no it's um, I don't know two of them yeah two of them I don't know the actresses names two of them two of the Derry Girls yeah uh, Boydie anything else you've been watching that isn't yes. you know on Gogglebox I, I have been watching been catching up with the most underrated show on TV which is Fort Salem no, it's Betty. Right. The HBO. The skateboard show. F- female skater girls show. Yeah. Um, which we, I think we reviewed the first series and the second series arrived last week on um, Sky Comedy and now. And it is such, it's a step up from the first series. I think um, it's about these five skater girls in New York and they're, and they're kind of just, it's like a hangout show. It is quite plot-like, but this is slightly more plotted this time around. But what the, one of the amazing things about it is it was filmed in New York during the l- late last year in lockdown. And they kind of, it's kind of set at that time and it shows, and it's kind of has this documentary style where the, where the, so the skaters are wearing masks kind of on and off and dealing with, they go into shops and they get thrown out of shops for not wearing masks or, and they, there's a, they kind of deal with the whole culture around COVID safety and around mask wearing and around isolation and the fact that the streets of New York are pretty much empty as they're skating along. And it's beautifully directed and filmed and acted. And it's really, it's just a kind of, it's just incredibly engaging and charming. And it deals with, and there, there are really interesting plot strands in this, this time. So there's one of the girls gets involved in this kind of quasi, but not quite sex work, where you um, get hired by really rich guys to be a kind of um, companion and to kind of chat in coffee shops and to kind of hang out with them, but not necessarily have sex with them. And I had no idea. I mean, very likely this was going on. But they that this remember loads of the stories from the show are from these people's real experiences. So 
I think it's pretty sure they've, they've you know, this isn't something they've made up. This is something that does happen. So there's that. There's a, two of the girls are in a relationship, and they and one of the girls in that relationship wants to invite a third girl into the relationship. That's that's a really interesting storyline. There's a brilliant bit. There's a character called Kurt, who's a girl who invite starts advising the boys they hang out with, the skater boys, about how to deal with women, and it's so funny. So it's like she becomes this guru, and they literally hold her up high. They kind of carry her around as this like god goddess of sex advice. And it's just hmm. really funny and engaging, brilliantly done. And it makes, above all, like, as it, I love New York. And one of the things I love about New York is its skater culture. Like, in my other existence, I would be, you know, one of those cool skater guy hanging out in New York on Lafayette Street. And it just captures that whole world so brilliantly. And if you miss, I know Terry has mixed feelings about New York, as anyone who's read her memoir will tell you, but it captures the what can be brilliant about New York so fantastically well so i absolutely love betty it's all i think it's all on i've watched the first three episodes i think it's all on um mm. sky now are there half an hour it's episodes, a great show they? half hour episodes uh, half yeah, hour, yeah absolutely yeah perfect timing yeah i remember we liked that I, I remember quite liking it but not feeling all that compelled to watch more yeah i think because it's so narrative light it is very it's, it is yeah. a hangout show and, it is, and nothing much happens but i think she's she's they've subtly stepped up the, the plotting this time so i think it's so but i think it's easy to underestimate that kind of show because it's it's such a it's such a kind of small scale in a way you know Little show, but actually, sometimes those things can have a huge impact, and I think it, it is having a big impact. What about you, James? Well, I mean, I've not been watching anything exciting. Uh, I have been pressing on. I'm at the end of uh, season one of Friends, and I am into the final season of Peaky Blinders. I've got into series five of that. It has to be said, I do genuinely believe <laughs> that Tom Hardy's Alfie Solomon may be the greatest creation in the history of television. <laughs> He's just so brilliant. He gives that performance his absolute all, and he's fucking hilarious. And there is a scene in season four where Adrian Brody, who whose performance is noteworthy for very different reasons. <laughs> Don't even remember. He turns up in season four as this Italian hitman called Luca Changretta, oh, yeah. and he's chewing this toothpick, and he's doing this incredibly mannered sort of like Brando-esque performance. And uh, and so he comes in, and he's, he's trying to convince Alfie to, to turn on Tommy Shelby, and. Uh, the way Solomon's deals with him is fucking hilarious. Uh, it, it genuinely it had me properly laughing. I had to rewind it a couple of times. So I just thought it was so amusing. But uh, yes, I've been enjoying Peaky Blinders an awful lot. And actually a lot more actually watching it back. But it's one of these things because the seasons are often quite a couple of years apart. Like watching them back to back, the threads tie together a lot better because you tend to forget. Oh, I remember you. Oh, yes, that thing happened. It's a lot of fun. And also Paul Anderson as Arthur is really, really great in the show as well. Oh, he's he's brilliant. Um, I'd, I'd forgotten how good it was. That series, I think, was one of the best, wasn't it? And doesn't it start that first episode where one of them's about to be hung, isn't it? Isn't it start and somehow yes, escapes? all of them are about yes. to be hung. All yes, of them. So in the various, right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Three of them in the men's prison, then Polly in the in the other prison. They're all about to be hung, and it's kind of Tommy's fault. And there's a big rift in the family, and then they're brought right. back together when the mafia essentially turn up to kill them all. Yeah, I really enjoyed that series. It was one, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's a really good one. But they've all been good. Like there hasn't been a mm. bad series. Weirdly, the one I'm going into now is the most recent one, which is the Sam Claflin as Oswald Mosley one. Is the one I was kind of least interested in seeing again mainly because it's recent but also because you get away from the kind of back alley razor gangness of the peaky blinders and it becomes a little bit about you know taking down fascism in parliament and so that it feels like a slightly different show but um but that's just my memory of it like, i could be entirely wrong as i'm rewatching it now but i've only watched the first episode again of of series five um like i said i'm enjoying it a lot and just the the way it's so slick and the use of music and the <laughs> almost abuse of slow motion walking montage oh, yeah. it's where, like oh, gotcha. yeah but like killian murphy walking down the street in slow motion motion 
fun. <laughs> it's 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 good shit. Again, Terry, I cannot emphasize enough how much you would love this show and how much you should be watching this show. In fact, I seem to recall texting you the other week and said, what are you doing tonight? Nothing. Put on the first episode of Peaky Blinders and you just ignored me. <laughs> I know I did. Oh, I did mean to reply, but no. Um, I, do, you know what, do you know what? The more you say it, the, the less likely I'm going to do mm. it. I mean, and that's then, fair. But they're mm. from the Midlands. They wear flat caps. Like, surely this, the, the nostalgia should be something for you, at least. Right, okay. I will I will do you a trade. Oh, no, no, is, no, 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 no. Yes. I will watch the first episode of Peaky Blinders if you watch the football. Yeah, but the yes. thing is, the football's like 17 hours long. Peaky Blinders is, is, a, is a tight 58 minutes. minutes. You can... Tune in for minutes. the match at 90 minutes, 8 o'clock. I feel if I have to do 90 minutes, then you should at the very least watch an episode of Peaky Blinders and then something else that I divide <laughs> oh, for you so as well. Literal, aren't you? An episode oh. and a half of Peaky Blinders. I know. I could watch two episodes of Peaky Blinders. How about that? I mean, this sounds like a decent trade. I, okay. I, 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 oh God, but come then on. I have to watch the football. <laughs> come on, James. Don't make me bully you into yeah, come it. On. All right, all right, all right. Fine, fine, fine. Well, yes. So first two episodes, season one, Peaky Blinders. This is no chore for you. You're going to fucking love it. There's no chore for you. Yes, yes. No chore at all. Anyway, no as I was saying, <laughs> I've been watching me. Who, who, are gonna, so who are we going to get in? Who are we going to get in to replace Tony to do that impersonation of you? I mean, that is a tough well, challenge, isn't it? Funnily enough, that is our listener question, which we're moving on to now. Uh, because William Taylor asks, as Terry is to leave the show, what TV character should join the team that could fill the mighty chasms? I don't know what you're saying there. Uh, I'd, I'd go for Rust from True Detective, he says, purely because he'd cut through James's ego with a stiff glare or Buffy just because Terry would feel happy for her to take her mantle. So what are you thinking? Who who could be Terry? It's got to be either CJ Craig um, from the West Wing. <laughs> yeah, Terry wishes. Um, yeah, who's going to just... Uh, charming, yeah. Who wouldn't Stop take it. any of your shit? <laughs> yeah, charming. <laughs> the greatest, obviously, the greatest character in history of TV. But she wouldn't take any of your shit, so she's definitely on my list. But also, Selena Meyer from Veep, um, particularly, and I don't think either of you particularly watch Veep, but one of the funniest relationships on Veep is between Selena Meyer, vice president, at one point, actual president of the United States, and her bag man. <laughs> And her bag man, played by Tony Hale, who literally her, his job is to carry her bag wherever she goes, just to be at her side at all times. And she has this kind of quasi-abusive relationship with him where she completely takes the piss out of him and berates him and he has to be at a beck and call. And there's something about that, I think, that would be perfect for that. So Selena Meyer from Veep or CJ Craig, I think would be great. And of course, then there's the, you, when we were talking about this on, um, on, we were texting each other the other night and um, uh, Terry herself suggested Jim Royal, which I thought was harsh, but I'd definitely go for <laughs> Denise Royal. I'd definitely go for Carolina Hearn as Denise Royal as well, who basically her life was spent watching TV on the sofa, you know, and kind of bringing up baby a bit and, you know, yeah, and being Northern. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the boxes tick there. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. I see. Terry Moore as being sort of an egret from uh, from Game of Thrones, not just because she's a wildling and therefore <laughs> the most northern, but also the kind of like you know nothing, James Dyer. That would be you. Is that what you think I sound like? Well, that's what she sounds like. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean yes, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, I I used to work with somebody who once said to me that I was a combination between David Brent and Tony Montana from uh, Scarface. 
So, so that is in brilliant. that light, um, I'm going to say David Brent. Oh, I, have yeah. got a, I have got a bit of David Brent. Or I was thinking Judy Finnegan, because seeing as you are, are week by week becoming ever closer to being Pilot TV's very own Richard Madeley, I think I think Judy would do do well on this podcast to keep you in line. She's got wow. however, you know fifty years of trying to keep Richard on the straight and yeah. narrow. Or similarly, yeah, you could be Jenny Gresham to his Alan Partridge as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we could use, we could use like a like Anna Maxwell Martin, like her Julia from Motherland. That would be a good person to have on this podcast. Or having said that, Liz maybe because she's northern. So you know, I think maybe Liz would be a better choice. Yeah, I, I actually I'd, Liz. I yeah. approve of Liz because mm, she'd also yeah. wouldn't take your ship. Yeah. Or equally, <laughs> yeah. if we're going to talk about Peaky Blinders, which would mean nothing to you, but but Polly Gray, who was Helen McCrory's character, she was uh, oh, she's, well, she she yeah. doesn't take any shit from any of the boys in that. She's very good. Obviously, anyone from This Is England surely would be fine. <laughs> To, to replace you, Terry. You're just you're just naming either working class or northern TV shows, I mean, aren't you? I don't want to put you in a box or anything, but somebody okay. from uh, Coronation Street. <laughs> I do think Diane Morgan in 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 Mother is is the person who should play you though. When it comes down to it, that is brilliant casting. There. Have you been speaking to Diane Morgan for your TV show, Terry? Right. <laughs> is, yeah. is she going to play Terry in your TV show? <laughs> Can you imagine? With your TV show coming up, of course, there could, there could be a meta thing. So whoever's, pl- the character, whoever's playing the character of you in that TV version of your book and of your life couldn't end up coming on the podcast. Yes! It could be like a meta Loki oh style. God. There's loads of different Terry Whites being played this by amazing. different people. <laughs> this I mean, is they're amazing. all doing it. Spider-Man... <laughs> You know, Batman. Totally gonna happen. First of all, Terry's show's gonna come out and we're gonna be reviewing it when she's not on the podcast. (laughs) Which means we might have you on as a guest to interview about the show. But better than that, the person who plays you will just have on for the whole show and just get them to stay in character the whole time. This is gonna be the greatest episode of the podcast ever. I'm gonna make this happen if it fucking kills me. My brain just broke. My brain just broke. Fictional me as a guest on the real life podcast. Yeah. Being you. On. Oh my yes. god, that's this breaking is my be brain. Boy, dear, I'm telling you, we've got to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, what am I getting? An actress friend of mine who I won't name at this stage has volunteered to be the new Terry. So you know, and maybe really? she'll be cast. Who knows? She'll be cast to say it's going to happen. It could all happen. Yeah. The new me on in in this reality or in this, another reality. In this reality. Okay. In this, well, well, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, maybe this reality. Wow, this has all gone very, very meta. We are in the multiverse now. Uh, this is the divine timeline, of course, where we still have actual Terry, but uh, we'll see what happens down the line. Uh, well, okay, William, I hope that that has in some way answered that question. <laughs> the correct answer of who should be on this podcast, uh, TV characters, almost certainly Ted Hastings. But uh, failing that, uh, failing that, there's some good suggestions there. If you would like your question addressed in some fashion on this podcast by me, Boyd, and Terry, or whoever happens to be playing Terry on that particular episode, uh, then do send them via. <laughs> dm to at pilot tv pod on twitter right shall we get into the news what's been happening in the news what's that terry you really enjoyed the extended trailer for apple's foundation the isaac asimov hard sci-fi tv series why don't you tell us about that one i want to talk about the cancelling of lovecraft country okay Mm. wtf so my, my my particular social media was very angry about this this morning. Um, uh, HBO have confirmed it's not coming back for a second series. I'm, I am, uh, I mean, there's often no rhyme or reason or seeming logic for um, 
cancellations or you know i suppose not necessarily cancellations just choosing not to do a second season um but i just think this is a a bonkers one because i feel like it was really well received obviously i don't know anything about viewing figures but i kind of thought this one would be a a no-brainer and as i say most of my uh twitter and instagram pals are up in arms boy d what do you make of it i was really surprised as well yeah i think and in fact, you know, apparently, if you look at people have said the, the the creator, I think Misha Green is the show creator, and people are tweeting about it, saying that you know the cast were optioned, you know, were told to clear to, to be available for series, so you got that far before they before they then cancelled it. So they must have been kind of thinking about it heavily. I think my guess as to why they didn't renew it was because it was such a it was such a slightly odd structured show. So it was mm. it had a kind of through line narrative, but each episode was also very much its own thing. So it was a kind of mix of anthology style and an ongoing drama, at which meant it was slightly difficult to get a, a grip on it. I mean, it had some of the best single hours of TV of that year, but it also had a couple of hours that weren't so good. I'm not... Ex- I, I'm just thinking as to why, what they were thinking. And it must have been fucking expensive. I mean, in, mm. in, you know, incredible location shooting, CGI, loads of CGI in every episode. Um, and so I imagine... So, I, I mean... I think if it had been more of a traditional show with a, with just a narrative across ten episodes, I think maybe they might have it might have been, but it was quite a difficult show to get a handle on. I think possibly for viewers and clearly for executives at HBO. It just seemed, especially you know, coming out when it did and dealing with some of the themes that it did in such a bold way. I yeah. I thought like it it spoke to something very specific and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's part of why I'm surprised, because um, that's why it really connected with audiences um, and seemed really, what's that word? What's that word when um, it's really good for the time? Resonant. Resonant. Oh, yeah. Resonant <laughs> evil. That, yeah. Infinite darkness. Res- resonant evil. <laughs> no. Resonant evil. Yeah. Very good, James Dye. Um, yeah, so that, that was what I wanted to talk about. But did you want to talk about that fucking extended whatever, James Dye? <laughs> Extended whatever. The fucking extended whatever was pretty good, it has to be said. Uh, Foundation is coming to Apple TV Plus now on the 24th of September. So at least we have a date for that now. And it looks very expensive, very dense, very complicated, utterly baffling. Uh, It's got Jared Harris in it, so it's going to be amazing. Uh, I think it looks fantastic. I've not read those particular Asimov books, but they do apparently take place over literal millennia. There's a part of me that was obviously, having been stung by Raised by Wolves, is a little bit wary of jumping into an impenetrable hard sci-fi show. But who are we kidding? I'm totally going to. I did actually. I have to say, I thought the trailer looked looked excellent. Mm, really, it does. just in, you know, you can get. I mean, I'm not saying trailers are obviously edited together, put together to get you to to whet your appetite for the show. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But I think you can often tell something that it looks like a show that where they're going to take this incredibly ambitious, complicated um, set of novels written by Oscar Asimov, and I just felt the kind of the kind of the kind of I don't know, the feel of it, it felt right to me. Do you know what I mean? From the trailer. And I think you cannot, like, I don't know, when I watch a Witcher trailer, and I'm just using the Witcher, like, I watched the trailer for the Witcher, and, I'm the, and this is, like, James is going to love this. Me, not so much. Terry, hardly at all, you know. You can just, you can kind of tell these things sometimes. Whereas I think this, it just looked so, there was something about it. I thought it really, it really captured my interest. So I'm, I, I did get excited for it, I have to say. 
Yeah. Um, um, this is definitely high on my list of things I most want to see coming out this year. That someone should ask that as a listener question. Like, what shows are you most excited about coming out? So then I could talk about Foundation for quite some time. And indeed, the show I am most looking forward to, which is The Last of Us, which started shooting this week in Canada and also announced another piece of casting. So Nico Parker, who you might remember from Dumbo, she was also in The Third Day. She has joined the cast. She'll be playing Joel's daughter, Sarah. Now, I'm not going to say anything about that role, but if you know, you know. Um, Last of Us being the show I am most looking forward to I want to go on set of that show So HBO, if you are listening, please invite me to Canada immediately So that I can talk a lot about your show Wow Thank you Wow I mean, not even pretending to uh... Wow Yeah God Demanding Yes, demanding Captain Entitlement here demands to go on set of The Last of Us in Canada Captain Privileged Entitlement, yeah That's me Um this morning we got an email. I got an email through, which I, which I thought was rather delightful. That Ryan Reynolds is going to tell a story. He's going to tell where the wild things are, the classic Murray Selleck story, on CBeebies on Friday the sixteenth of July. So they've got Ryan Reynolds. They often they somehow get these incredible A-list stars to tell stories on CBeebies on on you know the the the, the, the BBC's children's show, and that is happening on Friday the sixteenth of July. And he's and he and he's going to do it uh, virtually from Canada. He's in Canada filming, so but he's going to do a kind of Zoom Canada storytelling thing. The Tom Hardy one is quite yeah, the Tom something. Hardy one, right? Yeah. Exactly. Are there any lonely ladies out there? <laughs> any lonely men out there? Just uh, do a little Google search for, for Tom Hardy's CBB story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ryan Reynolds will try and match that. So anyway, Maybe he will. Uh, anyone who's excited about The Many Saints of Newark, which is coming to cinema soon, will be excited to hear that all six seasons of The Sopranos are now on now. Not now, although actually it's streaming, so they are literally on now, on now, now, now. Didn't yeah? Didn't tell, you started a rewatch, didn't you, of The Sopranos? On now, yes. Yeah, on now. On now. You've been paid to say this, James. Yeah, no, you've got a new you, deal with now. You're taking some backhander <laughs> that we're not aware of. I wish they don't send me anything. No, I am. I am illustrating the fact that changing it from now TV to now was fucking stupid because now it's unclear oh. whether you're. It, it all becomes very oh. Abbott and Costello whenever you say something's on now. Oh, yeah. like, oh it's on now. No, it's yeah. not on now. It's on now. What now? Yeah, no, not now. On now. It's just it's. So yeah. that entire plug was a, another way for you just to moan about it. Yeah. Because you've moaned about yeah, it. Yeah, right. so okay. The just opposite yeah. of what you suspected yeah. <laughs> where yeah. I'm promoting them. I'm actually just slagging them off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Also Sorry on about now, that now. The Leftovers is also back on now as well. Oh, and Sky, good. Uh, good. Catch up. Yeah. That's exciting. Because that disappeared for a while, that. didn't it? Because people were saying, like, did, we want to yeah. watch The Leftovers. Things, can't. Yeah. So you can now watch The Leftovers for free if you've got now, if you've already signed up to now or Sky. Hear that, Terry? You can now watch The Leftovers on now. Which you need to watch because again, <laughs> again, you will love it, and this will be another one of yours. This has changed my life, type TV shows. But you mm-hmm. know, you carry on watching your stuff about conjoined twins. That's fine. Um, what else is happening? Uh, Catherine Tate's got a new Netflix series. Have you seen this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Listen oh, oh. to that excitement. I am. I think Catherine Tate's great. I love Catherine Tate. Yeah. Oh, I I'm like excited. And she's Tate, directing yeah. it. Yeah, she's directing it. She's written it. She's. Doing the whole thing, setting a women's prison. She's playing all the Hard characters. Hard sell, it's, it's called. Do you think it's going to be the anti-time, presumably? Oh, hang on. It's, I, I think I'm getting this confused with something oh, else. It. She held women's uh, prison. Suddenly, Terry's uh, yeah, ears peaked. Oh, hello. Somebody say Vinegar Tips. I'm here. I'm engaged. Mm. Yeah, basically, she's playing. It's, in a, it's a spoof of all those prison dramas, and she's playing yeah. all the characters. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Coming in 2022. I'm excited about um, this project called um, 
Independence Day? Question mark. How Disabled Rights were won, which is a new series written by Jack Thorne, the great Jack Thorne, of writing pretty much everything you can think of fame, but who is always brilliant. And she, he's co-written it with Genevieve Barr, who's an actor turned writer, um, known for The Silence, among other things. And Ruth Madeley from Years and Years, who played Russell Tovey's sister, if you remember, um, she is going to be the main star. And it's basically about um, the campaign of direct action to battling for disabled civil rights in Britain. I think it's a really interesting uh, project. That is going to be a one-off drama. It's going to be a one-off feature-length drama. So we're going to have that. Film when film. it comes up, we'll have that tedious debate whether it's a <laughs> film or not, but it's a one-off feature-length drama. Um, do you see, I mean, this is not what I would describe as exciting, but it's certainly a development. So TNT are developing a drama based on the film Unknown. Remember the Liam Neeson film Unknown? Yeah, That is going to be a TV yes. series. Obviously, this has been done before with Taken, which did not make a good TV series. And this strikes me as a slightly weird film to adapt into a tv series as well but uh the film it was a it was a jean-claude serif film um and it, he was a guy who'd lost his memory after a car accident woke up someone else has taken his identity and there's a mere, mysterious assassins after him so it's all a little bit born light but yeah uh that's going to be a series here's a weird thing so we were talking obviously about the watch and how that didn't make for a good pratchett adaptation and obviously i went to bat for good omens which did make for a good pratchett adaptation but there's going to be more of that so good omens which was meant mm. as a limited series is actually getting a second season uh neil gaiman is still in the driving seat for this one so i don't think it's cause for alarm but his whole thing on this is you know they've, they've moved past like the story's told they finished it good omens is done the book has been adapted but he said that before the, the late great terry pratchett died they had discussed what they would do for a follow-up novel they discussed sequel plot ideas and threads and and, and notes there and so those are going to form the basis he says of this second series of good omens so that's actually that's pretty cool like if you're a pratchett fan that's that's much to be excited so it's unseen unread pratchett coming to the screen uh with david tennant and uh, michael shane did you like good omens oh hang on hang on i now remember now this is all coming back to me you two were both a bit sneery yeah. and dismissive of it and i seem to Saying, I don't like it. It was smug, and then you went, and that's why you liked it, uh, which is not untrue. But uh... <laughs> who is that accent? I mean, were you were you off when we reviewed it? Was it or did no? We... I was here. Yeah. No, you were there. Yeah, mm. I liked it, Weird. and both of you didn't like it. Boyd liked it more than me. Yeah, I liked it more, than... and that in fact, I went back and rewatched it, and I I, I, I maintain the first episode was wasn't great. It was something a bit off about. I I, I enjoyed it much more after that. So I quite liked yeah, it. Well, I thought it, I thought it was good. I thought I thought it's the I stand by that. I think it's the only time that Pratchett has kind of worked on screen. Uh, so I'm interested to see what goes on for season two of that. Uh, what else has happened? Oh yeah, John Lithgow is going to be back in the Dexter reboot, playing the Trinity Killer. Uh, this, despite the fact that Dexter killed the shit out of him during his season <laughs> as uh, as guest star on the show. So presumably he's turning up in in a kind of a weird flashbacky thing. Seems like an odd choice, unless Dexter's going to be imagining all the various people he's yeah, killed. Yeah, um, But I can't believe neither one of you has mentioned Johnny Lee Miller. <gasps> Hang on, wasn't that last week? Oh, yes, it happened, didn't it? Just immediately. No, 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 hang on. I remember because this came out pretty much, I think, 30 minutes after we recorded the last podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is the ridiculousness that is Johnny Lee Miller playing John Major. Although the more I... It's like a magic eye puzzle. The more I look at Johnny Lee Miller's face, I can start to see it's something in the mouth. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. a bit yeah. John Major-esque. Right. Yeah, and with a bit of makeup, with a bit of lip action on the makeup, because John Major has very weird lips, doesn't he? Without wanting to uh, thin, thin lip, thin lip. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I can see it. 
He's, it's still made just from the era where I can only remember the grey spitting image puppet. Like that's that's very much what I always think of when I think of John. I mean, Major. not dissimilar. Let's be mm. frank. Like mm. you know, that was yeah. pretty much John Major. And and does that mean we're going to get Edwina Curry? And who's going to play Edwina Curry? Angelina yeah. Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Bring them back together. Because it's all, all all new cast, isn't it, for the Crown series five? It's five, isn't it? It's Melda Staunton, isn't it, as the queen as Queenie this time around? Leslie Manville, yeah. Princess Margaret, Jonathan Price as Prince yeah. Phillips, and Elizabeth Debicki obviously joins as Princess Diana in this one, and Dominic West as Prince Charles, and I think he's going to be fucking brilliant. Yeah, I I I'm very excited for Debicki. I can totally see that already. Mm, um, yes, because I, I know we didn't all agree necessarily on. Emma Corrin, um, who I had struggled to see as Diana, but Debicki, she does something about her that screams Lady Di. While we're on Lady Di, what the fuck is that statue? <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? They unveiled James, this probably. I also saw the statue. By. No, I did. I did. I saw it. This was the thing I actually did see. So the, the statue of Diana, that, I mean, I look more like. Diana right now than that statue looks like And she's like surrounded by kids, none of whom are hers. She's holding the hands of two kids. And she it's weird. And it's, it's just weird. there's something about it. It's it's it does not look like Lady Di no. to me. <laughs> no, it's so weird, yeah. You're saying it looks a bit more like uh, Elizabeth Debicki? No, it it looks more like you than it does Elizabeth Debicki <laughs> all, Princess Diana. Fair enough. <laughs> James Fair enough. with a wig and two kids in tow. Yes. Yeah. I do an excellent princess die. That's my that's my fancy dress uh, costume of choice. Okay, I think that's uh, that's it for news. <laughs> Is it now that we've gotten to my likeness in bronze? You say that. I just want. To, I can't believe you haven't mentioned uh, the Star Wars Visions thing. Do you oh, see? Oh yes, they did. They, they, yeah. Oh hey, yes. Hey, yes. I mean, I only mention yes. it because you know it's Star Wars and it's anime and it's disney i know Plus, but I i'm not an anime person as we will discover oh, okay. later so you're on not the show um, i'm not massively into anime and so <laughs> so like i did watch the trailer thing i was like yeah you know it's star wars but i said like, i'm not wildly excited okay. no, fine so no. fine wibbly, will i watch wibbly, it wibbly, mm, wibbly. i don't know <laughs> what <laughs> wibbly wobbly wibbly wobbly <laughs> <laughs> oh god if we had titles for these uh episodes wibbly wobbly wibbly wibbly wobbly, wibbly, wobbly. yeah yeah right well on that note well if you're not sh- interested i'm fucking hell not interested either <laughs> so, that, so forget that yeah <laughs> let's move on then to this week's reviews and we begin because of course we do with resident evil infinite darkness now this is an anime series based on the capcom video game this one in case you're wondering is set between residents evil four and five and sees returning game heroes leon kennedy and claire redfield sister of original stars member chris redfield dealing with yet another tyrant virus outbreak that this time fills the white house with zombies it is exactly the kind of howling gibberish fans of the games will expect and so who better to talk about it in excruciating detail than longtime gamer and resident evil mega fan terry white terry please tell us about your descent into infinite darkness i mean i knew do you know what i was like i've never played the game obviously i've played a game since playing sonic the hedgehog and i i never saw the film because clearly why would i and so obviously i knew you were going to make me take the lead yeah. on this one so i did do a bit of research actually and so I, I, I decided I needed to bone up on the Resident Evil universe 
So my understanding, having done my research, is that this is the same continuity narratively as the games, right? So it's not part of the Mila Jovovich no. Resident Evil film universe. Yeah. But this universe is going to have a live action film, right? And there are two series heading to Netflix, apparently. So it goes video game, new film, and two telly things. This is the first of the telly things. Now, a few weird things about this. A, it's four episodes at like, what, half an hour each. Isn't that weird? Like four episodes at half, who does four episode series? Anyway, that's the first weird thing. The second, here's my thing, right? And I want to say to anybody listening to this who is a gamer or an anime fan, that what I'm going to say is probably so I'm super ignorant because I am ignorant in those areas. But I don't get the need for this because it just, to me, looks like a video game. So the video, the whole thing these days is, oh, the video games look so close to like live action. No, they don't. But anyway, yes, I, I get that they've come on leaps and bounds. And actually, like, what's the difference between this anime and that video? I don't, I, that's the bit I don't get, right? So, um, and I'm just going to tell you the plot, which I had to Google. Um, so you have Leon and Claire, and they apparently are the big people from the games who everybody likes. And well, they're not technically. This. They're actually from Resident Evil 2, although Leon obviously turned off oh, again in Resident Evil 4. But carry on. Leon with the good hair. So Leon's meant to be your hero. Leon, Leon actually, at one point, shoots some zombies in the head and says... Rest in peace, assholes, which I uh, greatly enjoyed. Which that kind of tells you about the tone of this. This is a classic. This is a bit Independence Day meets White. What's that one with um, White House Down? Don't White House Down? Um, White take House your up. pick. Yeah. Yeah. Olympus has fallen, White House Down. Independence Day, you've got a, a president, like a president who weirdly looks like Bo- Billy Bob Thornton in Love Actually. <laughs> he is the US president. So. Now, the motion capture animation is fine, right? But I read so many reviews and think pieces saying, oh my God, you blink and you could easily mistake this for live action. Oh, oh. I mean, come on. Those people who were saying that have spent too long playing video games. That's all I'm going to say. It looks fine to me. I am no anime expert at all. Um, but there was not one second of that where I thought, oh my God, is that a real person? Or is that a real fucking zombie? Or is that a real wall even? (laughs) Like, it's clearly not live action. Um, And I read some of the things that said, oh, you know, it's like, it's the same cinematography as the game. And I just keep coming back to this thing, which is, they all look the same to me. And I know you're not supposed to say that. And I know there are gaming fans listening to this and anime fans who are listening to this and their hair set on fire and they've got steam coming out their ears and they're probably going to come for me on Twitter <laughs> and drag me to fuck. But I don't get the need. For, I get the need for live action, right? You go, this thing that exists here in this form, let's go and, and, and make it into a live action thing with real life human beings. And I get that this obviously doesn't involve you like gaming does. There's gaming, you are controlling the thing. But I don't understand the need for it. And I mean, it was fine, I suppose. It looked all right. Not live action. It looked all right. Uh, there was a zombies trying to take over the White House. Um, loads of zombies got shot. Action was all right. Um, the end. 
I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I don't see the point. I don't see the point in it. Somebody, I'm sure, will come and tell me in great detail what the point of an anime series in the Resident Evil universe is, what it does narratively or whatever else to, you know, broaden out this world. I don't see it. And I kind of think if it was all that good or necessary, you wouldn't just have four 30-minute episodes, would you really? Let's be honest. That's not even a proper series. So that is my very uneducated take on Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Boyd, what did you make of it? Yeah, it's weird. I don't get it. I, I mean, I had no idea, to be honest. This is a whole blind spot in my pop culture knowledge that there's this whole Resident Evil, that they're Resident Evil CGI films anyway. And if and that's so it says this is only four parts, then it's just it's basically another film, isn't it, in the Resident Evil series, just divided into four chunks and called a series on Netflix. That's how it felt to me. If there's already existing, you know, non-live action Resident Evil films, then there's the Resident Evil live action films, and there's all the so this, I just had no idea there's such a, a huge kind of array of Resident Evil stuff within the franchise. So, I mean, that was some that was a surprise to me and was news to me. And then watching the actual thing, I I I know what, I know what, I know what you mean about it not feeling live action. I think before you get to see any characters in any depth, then there are moments that could have been live action, like helicopters, you know, flying around in that fake Middle East country. What's, they called? What's the name of the fake Middle East country? Um, which oh, is really God. funny. Um, and uh, there's a lot of unintentional, unintentionally funny moments in it. I mean, his hair, I, extraordinary. What's going on with his hair? Massive, huge, dangling <laughs> waves of hair um, flopping around all over the place like that. I, I thought his hair was hilarious. Um, and just the whole thing was just silly and stupid. And, you know, the dialogue was embarrassing. Um, and, and yet it was the pointlessness of it that, that struck me, that I didn't get the, the point of it at all, really. Um, because, as, because as soon as you then get the characters and, the, and their glassy eyes, and obviously it's, it, doesn't look like, it doesn't look like live action at all. So I did keep thinking this could have just been live action, and that would have been exciting. A live action Resident Evil, even if that would have been four parts, that would have been more interesting than to me than this anime thing that was just taking the characters and and the white house setting was was could have been vaguely interesting but they kind of didn't there's a character that looked exactly like donald rumsfeld as well just like <laughs> who, who obviously died um but uh, so there were kind of weird funny moments like unintentionally funny moments but apart from his hair and the embarrassing um uh kind of fake middle east country they dreamt up um, I, I just didn't know. I, I thought it was terrible. Did you read? Um, that somebody shared on Twitter that re I don't know. If I, I we didn't get a kind of a an embargo or a, an NDA form, but somebody had, had posted that they had, and there was a thing in it, um, basically asking reviewers not to draw any parallels between the politics and the political oh, really? situations no, in the that. game and in real life. <laughs> and that was put That's in hilarious. specifically. <laughs> oh That's my God. amazing. You mean so Donald Rumsfeld, I've totally broken that embargo and they're going to arrest me. Also, what a very weird, and I mean, A, you can't tell people which parts of it they... Which part of their thoughts they're allowed to express and not, but also what a weirdly <laughs> specific thing to uh, request people don't say. That's really funny. I mean, look, I've played all eight of the core Resident Evil titles. I've played some of the remakes. I've played a lot of the tangential titles as well. And I've got to say, this was a load of old shit. So <laughs> not being funny. Like Resident Evil, so the first Resident Evil in 1996 came with an inexplicable live action 
cutscene introduction, which had some of the worst acting ever conceived by humanity in it. And it feels like this was pretty much on a level with that, to be honest with you. Like this, this for me is like it's the worst kind of like Resident Evil cutscene bunkum. In the I, I must admit, I like at the at very early on, I was like, oh, okay, this this you know look, looks pretty good from a CGI point of view. But like as it went on, I was like, these do not feel particularly convincingly motion captured. I mean, Leon's hair has a physical life of its own and i i like the, the plot is nonsense because of course it is because it's resident evil but i kind of feel like you've got you've got the paul anderson approach which is quite like the idea of the games but want to do my own thing completely okay with that and then you've got the games which are their own kind of absolute batshit lunacy which started off as a kind of haunted house zombie game with a sort of conspiracy in the background and the conspiracy has got more and more complicated and what i like about the most recent games is they've stripped it back a little bit there's still conspiracy stuff in there but they've it become it's become much more about sort of rural terror and folklore and you know just primal scares as opposed to ridiculous mutants and whatnot but this seemed to be the worst of all possible worlds. Like, it's just nonsense. The plot is terrible. The The action is just kind of forgettable. Like, this, this, they do that sort of, like, uh, where they, they, they flip back and forward from this Civil War sequence where these American soldiers are sort of uh, attacked by militants and then, you know, zombies abound and whatnot. Then going to the White House of running. Oh, it's more exciting because it's in the White House. It's like, it's not, though, is it? It's just a bit dull and the zombies look a bit shit. And, you know, I was pretty consistently bored all the way through this let's be honest half an hour episode and there's nothing here for me and i really like all the games so i've got to ask i'm not sure who this is for unless maybe you know if if anime is your jam maybe it hits a certain number of beats that i don't as a non-anime fan understand perhaps that's what it is but i yeah i know this is this is just a hard no like resident evil cutscenes generally are a little bit embarrassing in the games because the plots are so fucking stupid uh, and you're there for the scares and the gameplay. So it's like taking all of those shit cutscenes out and putting them on Netflix seemed like a good idea. And, you know, it isn't. And the name of the country, the fictional country, is Panamstan. Panamstan. <laughs> every time right. they said it, every time they said it, I was like, that is ridiculous. Zombies in Panamstan. Oh, good God. Anyway, oh. uh, should you wish to watch Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, it drops on Netflix on the 8th of July. Next up this week, we have our second animated show of this episode, Monsters at Work, a spin-off from the 2001 Pixar movie Monsters, Inc., which sees the former Fear Factory going through the difficult transition from scares to laughs as they begin the overhauls first conceived at the end of the film. So Tyler Tuskman is a recent graduate of Monsters University. Uh, however, he is unaware of the change when he rocks up for his first day at work. Isn't that right, Boyd? That is right, yes. It is, it is uh, animated. It's computer animation week on uh, the Pilot TV podcast, and we've all, much to our shame, uh, talked before about how we're not the biggest fans of it. But, of course, Pixar films, I mean, Pixar films and Pixar productions are the animated things that are probably the thing that, that I certainly are happy and happy to sit down and watch, generally. I'm happy to sit down and watch every Pixar film ever, and some of them are, are masterpieces and are brilliant. I have to say, um, Monsters, Inc., Etc. is aren't isn't my one of my favourite particularly one of my, I would say least favourite in a way um, Pixar film. So I wasn't that excited about this um, TV spin off, this Disney Plus spin off, this series. Um, but I have to say that um, watching the first episode, I was thoroughly charmed by it. I thought it was really enjoyable and entertaining and charming. 
Ben Feldman. The, so the, John Goodman and Billy Crystal um, as Sully um, and Mike are back, and they're kind of like they set the scene. They've taken over. They've been given the reins and taking over um, Monsters Incorporated. And as you said, they now they're trying to they're trying to get people to be funny um, rather than scare people, which is a kind of which was happened at the end of the, the last film. Um, and it's a kind of a sweet concept but just the just the whole tissue of it really the whole kind of mood of it the the dialogue i think you know the kind of just the throwaway moments are funny and well written and um i think the voice cast is really good Ben Feldman's really really engaging as tyler tussman the main character and you've got jennifer tilly and mindy kaling and henry winkler pops up as one character bonnie hunt um I just, re- I actually enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Um, it's kind of breezy. Bree- I thought it was, you know, it kind of it flew by in no time at all. Unlike the fucking Resident Evil, which actually, Resident Evil episode, which is only thirty minutes long, felt like two and a half hours <laughs> of misery. This, this was a very breezily entertaining, fun. And I was like, yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a kind of, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, eleven year old kid, and you're, and if you're a parent and you want to watch it with that age of kid, I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd get a lot out of it. It's probably exactly in a way what Disney Plus should be doing with its Pixar properties in a way, finding, you know, this is this, you know, not one of the best films, but actually the series I thought was was, was really enjoyable. Yes, this is weird because uh, the film kind of leaves me cold a little bit. But I feel like, Boyd, I was really charmed by this. I mean, I think the central conceit, which obviously I know was set up in the film, but it's just such a clever little idea, isn't it? What happens when you have to pivot your business model like that? I just think it, and and it all being about, you know, the transition from this old school, scary thing to this thing of having to make them laugh and the way they show that. And I I just thought it was a really sweet idea, done really well. and the thing you do want more of is um, John Goodman and Billy Crystal, obviously, are are in there, but the focus is very much on this new generation and kind of the mantle being passed. And you do miss them a bit when they're not on screen because the, they are absolute magic. And that's the, that's the bit I loved about the film. Um, but the visuals look great. It does take a little bit of getting used to because it's, what, 20 years on, so things have, have moved on somewhat in terms of how it looks. Um, but like Boyd said, it's just really sweet, really lovely, and a lovely palate cleanser after Resident Fucking Evil, um, <laughs> putting the joy back into our lives. And it actually made me excited for the Buzz Lightyear series we've got mm. to come. Um, because I think it it shows how they can do the. I mean, it's not you know radical in any way. It's it's not going to be the best thing you've ever seen, but they've done it really well, really faithfully. Um, and it's just, it's properly joyful, lovely telling. Is it though? I don't Did you know. Like oh, really, God, really you misery guts. I was utterly oh, uncharmed no. by this. No, wait a I minute. Mean, <laughs> we found the one person in the world who can somehow take against this show. <laughs> oh my God. Genuinely, I didn't wow. like it at all. And and I, I oh weirdly, and it's strange that we're three outliers. So all three of us uncharmed by Monsters, Inc. as a movie. Like It is one of my least favourite Pixar's. Uh, I don't love it. And this, I was just like, oh, good. Here we are again. And... 
I just found it quite irritating and a bit twee and just I didn't find it funny and it just like and it did not charm me on any level and I'm like oh good it's Roz I remember this from the exact same joke in the film hooray you're and, so evil <laughs> although I maybe yeah. something's wrong with me because I thought oh god this is, sounds terrible who have they got to do these awful Billy Crystal and John Goodman impressions and it turns out it's Billy Crystal and John Goodman so I was like oops <laughs> that's awkward <laughs> but I yeah I just it didn't do it for me at all also and I don't know whether it was because because I, I think I might be having some slight connection issues like so it might have been the streaming was just default into a slight but the animation looked properly ropey like when i saw it and i no. thought oh god no. like, but like i say it, that might have been partly to do it like it jumped down to a lower resolution because my internet wasn't was not doing well so you know fair play but i was not impressed by the animation i was not charmed by the characters i was not interested in the story um because also like the whole thing that first thing yes i get the whole yes we're changing our business model hey we were into scares now we're into loss i'm like not being funny but this is the end of the film i've seen this before we've been through this this is not new or clever or interesting because we've literally been through this already and now we're just seeing the implementation of the new business model and i was like i just, i mean that is as exciting as it sounds so no hard pass on monsters at work for me i will not be watching this again and it has not made me excited for the buzz Lightyear series sorry wow I mean, it takes the yeah. It's the premise is from the end of the film, but that's the starting off point of yeah. new characters and new relationships and new. I mean, yeah, such a. I mean, I just don't see how you could take against that. Is, I just it was so charming. I was uncharmed. But not for you. I was yeah, yeah, uncharmed. I was. Resolutely. Was I more charmed by this than Resident Evil? I mean, possibly, but it's. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> anyway, uh, this comes to Disney Plus on Wednesday, July the seventh. Finally, this week, for reasons I'm still not entirely clear on, we have High Colon Confessions of an Ibiza Drug Mule. This BBC documentary follows the plight of Michaela McCollum, uh, a teenager from Northern Ireland who tried to smuggle 1.5 million pounds of cocaine through Lima Airport. It did not go well. She is also <laughs> the proud owner of the most notorious updo in, uh, in TV history. So... Please tell us about this, Terry. So I should I should say that there was the pickings were light this week, but and we came to the final choice, and I I pushed for this one, um, uh, and I'm glad I pushed for this one, and I can't wait to hear James also hate this. Um, <laughs> but this is, as you say, it's a documentary on Michaela McCollum, who, as it she actually says, so she narrates this as well as being interviewed in it. Um, she says, that's me, owner of the world's most famous updo. Um, and you're kind of off to the races. Only after there is a disclaimer on screen, which immediately says, the following story huh. contains dramatized scenes and is based on the testimony of a convicted drug smuggler, <laughs> which is, I understand that they, you know, want to make it clear that this is her version of events, but it kind of lodges this thing in your head. Of, well, are we meant to question whether she's telling the truth? But actually, I have to say, you you believe her in this documentary. And it is, in many respects, it's, it's a very traditional documentary. You've got talking heads being interviewed, journalists, prosecutors, a translator. And between them, they all essentially piece this story together. Because what this documentary is trying to do over, I think, five parts is tell the story, not just of what happened, but how she ended up there and then what what happened in prison and her life since. It's the full kind of arc, really. And it does have, at first, it has this weird glib tone. 
as she is narrating it. And so she says that about the updo. She makes some jibe about where she comes from. Um, and there's a few bits. And at first I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. She, You are a convicted drug smuggler. And this feels weird to me, this tone. And she goes, you know, oh, I just made one mistake. Yeah, you know, literally smuggling 11 kilograms of, of cocaine. But that's by the by. But actually, once this settles in, I think they do a really good job because it's really it's a really tricky thing, which is how do you humanize or in any way elicit sympathy for a bang to rights drug mule? So there's no sense of this of she's innocent or she was set up. They obviously look at how she was, you could argue, manipulated or groomed or how she became embroiled in this situation where she smuggled these drugs. And, and it wasn't just her. She was there was two of them. They were called the Peru two. Um, both young British women, um, and they were both arrested together. But Michaela's the only one who's kind of spoken about it since. But it's really interesting because it goes from this thing where you're just like, this is ridiculous. She's absurd. Look at that hair. Why do you stick? What did you think was going to ha- happen smuggling all that cocaine? Um, and then bit by bit, and they do have this weird thing where she narrates it and they interview her. But it, I found it quite touching and they managed to make her a human being and it and it kind of had interesting things to say about the way that young women can be manipulated and and people's motivations and then about resilience so it is there are dramatized scenes as i flagged at the beginning and some of those i mean you know they're, they're <laughs> showing this prison and it all gets a little bit um cliche in parts and and like a little bit like bad prisoner cell block h in moments um but there's something about it that i found quite moving and you do kind of go along with her when she's showing the resilience what she learned in prison how it changed her as a human being i won't go so far as to say you know it's the best thing that ever happened to her and look at the woman she is now but there's a sense there is a proper sense of a journey and you do even though you know what she's done and you know she's been a fucking idiot i found myself really compelled and there were like mad moments in, in it. They interview like a lawyer for drug cartels who's just sat there looking exactly like you would expect a lawyer for a drug cartel to look. You might as well have just been sat on a fucking massive bag of cocaine. It was like brilliant mad bits like that. The access is actually insanely, insanely good. So I actually had a lot of time for this. And like I say, it's not perfect. The tone is patchy. Some of the dramatization bits are just like quite cringe. But right in the kind of bones of it, I think this has some really interesting things to say and does some really actually weirdly entertaining and interesting stuff. So people will go, this is a BBC Three documentary about a drug mule, the woman (laughs) with the stupid hair, I'm not going to watch it. Give it a chance because I think it might surprise you. Please say mule a few more times for me. Mule. Mule. It is really, it's really good. I'm sorry. It's just a really, and if this, so a friend of mine said this to me, so don't, um, you should definitely um, pay some attention to this series because if this was on um, Netflix, right, this would be a massive kind of true crime whatever documentary event but because it's kind of bbc3 and they have this weird it's showing on bbc1 tonight it's on iplay already now today it's showing on bbc1 tonight and they're showing the whole series at 10:45 on bbc1 for the next two weeks basically um but if it was a it would be hailed as, as a massive thing but it's a really well put together 
incredibly interesting story, as Terry says, with loads of ramifications, because not only have you got the woman at the center of it talking us through the whole thing, and her narration is really is, is fascinating and kind of then you've got the best mate who's kind of incredulous about the whole thing you've got the family because the family thought she disappeared when they didn't hurt because she had to give her mobile phone in they insisted the people of her her contact who Mm. basically groomed her took her personal phone away from her for the entire period that she then had to go to peru for lima in peru and so her family didn't hear from her for like nine, ten days, and thought she'd died or gone, whatever, and that ends up being really sad and really tragic. And the, the interview, the the, the 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 parish vicar or priest or whatever, who's re- talking about how well, he saw it for the first time in episode two, I think, and that's really interesting. You've got that some some moments where where it's really moving and powerful, and then you've got quasi comical moments. Like the whole thing falls upon the fact that this poor woman. Didn't know that Lima was in Peru. And she <laughs> she thought, thought it was in Spain. It was on mainland Spain. So she's on a flight. She thinks she's going to like Mallorca or something, and she ends up in an eleven-hour flight. And she's literally looking at at the thing, you know, the graphic on the flight graphic, t- tracing the journey. Going, that hold on moment. a minute. <laughs> that that moment, moment is comical. It's pure comedy, but like in a tragic comedy sense. Um, and as Terry says, the bloody the the lawyer for the drug cartels and the and the. Graphic comes up, lawyer for drug cartels. Oh, I have questions. I have so many questions. How is he still? Is he still the lawyer for drug cartel? He's just sitting there in this British TV documentary, proudly explaining how drug cartels work and how much money they make on a daily basis and how these things. And he's absolutely fine with it. And as you say, he's from Central Casting. I mean, if you if you created this character, you'd be accused of stereotyping. But he is hilarious. And then you've got these women, like the prosecutors and the lawyers, um, uh, uh, talking about it, who are you know very human. This one woman who's been who's been who's who kind of was involved in the prosecution talking about how, yeah, you know, you do have feel so they are groomed, you feel sorry for them, but on the other hand, they, you know, they're not that ignorant. They know they're definitely importing drugs. They know they're, that, they, that, you know, they're absolutely fully aware of that. I think it was endlessly fascinating. And um, I watched three episodes in quick succession. I've got two more to go. I'm definitely going to finish the whole thing. And yeah, you know, it, it when, when when I suggested we do this, James was like, "Oh, is it trash?" And it's like, "Well, the title. I mean, come some on. of the recruit. Come on, <laughs> right? It's of course it's a it's a deliberately eye catching, provocative title. But and some of the dramatizations are a bit uh, borderline. But having said that, it's pretty lavish because they do they've clearly gone to Peru and filmed kind of recreated the bus journey that she took, and they had to go all the way around and pretend they were tourists for a fucking week. Yeah. And this extraordinary thing they do, and the grooming process is absolutely fascinating. And I, just, I think it shows you the reality of that, which I did not know. I didn't even. I'm so naive. I didn't even know that. In I've never been to Ibiza. I'm not in the slightest bit interested. But that, you know, if you go to bars in Ibiza, they literally you can literally order drugs from the at the bar, and they'll bring them to you on a on a tray. I I did not know that that kind of thing happened. I'm so naive. And and so this whole thing is kind of that's what happens and that the, oh, the interview with the guy this mysterious guy this anonymous guy is really weird that massive close-ups of his lips and mouth there were just weird little elements <laughs> yeah. to this whole series that make it like it's bizarre yeah, it was distorted voice which was kind of like, like an episode of people like us the classic comedy series people like us anyway the whole thing is fascinating a bit odd sometimes a bit kitsch but actually kind of really well done as well often and with has, has incredible access and just whole th- i have so many questions that about it that 
are provoked by the fact that it's such an interesting th- piece of work. I must admit, I was kind of unprepared for the way it was the way it was made because it starts sort of like with it all kicking off. She voiceovers, and I swear to God, I was like, yeah. this, "This is like Goodfellas." It's like as far back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a drug mule. <laughs> like, what is happening? I wasn't I'm like. I'm the first to admit I do not watch this genre. I don't understand the appeal of this genre, so I don't really know how it's done. But it struck me as this had a bit of a rock and rolly feel to it, the way it was put together. Like they really styled it out. Mm. So I, I I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't enjoy it, enjoy it because I just don't like this kind of show. I don't like true crime documentaries, but they did it well. And she, you know, she's clearly clearly. I mean, let's be honest, she wasn't the sharpest tool in the box when she's you know getting. Oh, where am I going? I'm going to Lima in Spain. No, 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 no. Um, you know, and she's agreeing to ferry all these drugs and stuff. But she, you know, the question she doesn't answer at any point is what was with the updo? Like, clearly, this is the thing we're waiting to hear about because this was the thing at the time wasn't it and i remember like when the peru 2 went on trial the whole like people got obsessed over her hair didn't they that was a thing like because she had this enormous like plate-sized bun on the top of her head which was a little bit off-putting and that became the thing that the papers latched onto so we don't unfortunately get an explanation for the updo uh, which does talk a lot about you know why she did it and have you hold on have you watched all five episodes no no i haven't watched all, all five episodes but she gets into this quite early on yeah but we might get an updo explanation you're eventually. right there okay are, like, fine you know, i didn't get an explanation of the updo in the episodes that i watched however okay. we may at some point learn the origin of the updo but but you know when she talks about it i felt a little bit maybe unsatisfied because the answer why she did it is because she was young and stupid and she just didn't really think about it like there's no sort of like grand plan here it stumbles into it but i know what you're saying about the grooming that's quite interesting how she got kind of sort of led into into doing this and they take away her phone and they isolate her and then there's a really really fucking awful recreation of her and her friend searching the guy's house and finding a drawer full of guns <laughs> it's just like yeah. what is happening here but on those men it's important to say that in those in these situations what normally happens is the women are caught, like in my hands. Like in my hands, pu- yes. The my women hands, are caught yeah, and hands. the women are punished. Yeah. And the men yeah. who groomed them or asked them to do it or manipulated <laughs> them or what, or whatever they did to get them to do it, they usually go unscathed, yeah. right? Unpunished. Yeah. And there was that re- I found that really shocking, the idea that, I mean, obviously these people are horrendous, immoral fuckwits, but the fact that they deliberately tell the police that these young poor young women are bringing in a certain amount of cocaine drugs or whatever to distract from the fact that these other guys are bringing in billions worth at the same time and we and we can not pay any attention to those and instead arrest the people bringing in a mere million and a half dollars worth so yeah so i'm not gonna lie i will not be watching any more of this but uh it was i I mean weirdly if we're talking picks of the week i gotta be honest if you're stacking up confessions of an ibiza drug mule against monsters at work and resident evil i'd probably take the drug mule be honest with you drug mule definitely hang on hang on though how can you watch like two episodes be really quite into it and then just leave it don't you want to know yeah like, I mean, what ridiculous. Next? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> no, Bloody absolutely hell. not. No, I've got episodes of Peaky Blinders. What are you talking about? The week, yeah. All right, what else yeah. is out this week? Uh, the Good Wife is starting again uh, on uh, on Alibi this time from the beginning. So season one starts tonight, the 5th of July at 11 p.m. on Alibi. Uh, so if you never saw The Good Wife, and you should have done because it's very, very good, but if you didn't, then by all means do check that out on Alibi as it starts from the beginning. Uh, what else is happening this week? Blackish season six kicks off on E4 tomorrow night on the 6th. American Dad season 17 
uh, drops on Star on Disney Plus on the 7th. Atypical. You've watched this, haven't you, Boyd? I've never seen Atypical. Yeah. It's a really interesting show, yeah. I mean, I, I've st- I stopped watching it after one season, I have to admit, but this is the new fourth and final season. Mm. I mean, it's got Jennifer Jason Leigh in it, for fuck's sake. So, yeah. you know, that's reason alone to watch it. But it, I think it is a, it is a good show. Uh, so that yes that drops on the night back on Friday yeah on Netflix Uh, also on Netflix dropping on Friday is season 2 of Biohackers which is a German language drama I'm astonished boy you didn't get us to review that on this podcast uh, about a medical student who discovers the use of highly advanced biohacking technology in her university town and has to decide how far she's willing to go to find out the truth but our pick of the week it seems is the drug mule yep definitely yeah never thought I'd be saying that but here we are Uh, and that is it for this TV light episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a five-star rating for putting that unmissable trio of shows on your radar, then do feel free to do so. Uh, and also to follow us on social media, at James C. Dyer, at Judas underscore Iscariot, and at Boyd Hilton. Uh, you will be ecstatic to hear that we'll be back with some proper telly next week as Series 2 of Ashton B's This Way Up comes to Channel 4 and War of the Worlds Season 2 lands on Disney+, Plus, uh, which I'm pretty psyched about. Uh, so don't worry, the football has not defeated us yet. Pilot out. 